Welcome back to the On Life podcast. Today, John Carlo, we are speaking with Dr. Jonathan Giles from the uh, Public and Community Health and Health and Sciences uh, area here at Liberty. And I think this is going to be a really good conversation. We, we had a lot of good talk about um, our health and what that looks like. And that's not just um, our physical health or like what we're eating or exercising, but there's um, a lot more to that, which we actually learned in today's episode. So um, I don't know about you, but I think this was a really good conversation and I think uh, you guys are going to really enjoy it. Definitely. I think we're going to touch very important points, especially for online students, you know, balancing school, family, full-time jobs, and sometimes like taking care of your health is the last thing you do. And it's sometimes you push it back. And I think here we're going to just touch on some important tips to like start step-by-step step to improve your health. Yeah. So let's do it. This is episode four of season four, taking care of your health. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the On Life Podcast. This is episode four of season four, and we're here with today's guest, Dr. Jonathan Giles, Associate Professor in the School of Health Sciences in the Department of Community and Public Health. Welcome to our studio. Thank Welcome. you. Appreciate that. Brian's here, too. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Brian. <laughs> um, so today we're going to be talking about um, health as kind of taking care of your health. So what does that even mean, I feel like, in a world of influencers and conflicting information what does it mean to be healthy oh you that's uh the proverbial pandora's box that you just opened there penny i appreciate great. that absolutely um what does it mean that's a great question what does it mean to take care of your health um every person's different and so every person's health is different and so there's multifaceted approaches to that and that's really what we do in public health. We look at the entire population. And so we try to intervene uh, before and after the medical system, uh, but to help people live the healthiest lives. And so we have a lot of skill sets for that, and there's a lot of different ways to do it. So I would say there's no one real way to answer that question. But at the same time, there's a lot of things that people can do to help to live a full, healthy, productive life uh, and extend that lifespan. That's awesome. That's kind of nice because everything I read is there's one size fits all. Yeah, like kind of in that same vein, are there different maybe types of health that you guys look at in this in the School of Health Sciences? Yeah, um, so that's a, a good point too is, you know, it, so I'm going to kind of bring in both of those points is, um, Patty, you said it's, it's one size fits all. So I'm going to go back to the world health definition of health, which is not merely the absence of disease, but a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being. And so by state, we mean that that changes over time. We know not everybody's going to have perfect health in all three of those areas. Um, the key point to this is, is that over the lifetime, we want to ensure that. And so we look um, specifically at LU at nine different dimensions. And by that, I mean every person is their own unique person. So if you imagine a bubble, and inside of that bubble, there's nine other little bubbles, if you will, but they all fill up that space. So we look at these nine dimensions, digital, emotional, environmental, financial, intellectual, occupational, physical, social, and spiritual. And so within that bubble, they take up different amounts of space. Everybody has something uh, different. And so what we usually think of is people say, oh, I'm healthy. I'm not sick. That's the physical aspect of health. I can get up, I can do my activities of daily living is what we call them, but I can walk, I can dress myself, I can feed myself. But are we taking care of our emotional health? Do we have social support structures? 
are we sure we have good financial health? You know, there's a lot of questions about that right now. And we're starting to see different um, dimensions of health being added. I know we have nine that we focus on here at Liberty with student health and wellness. I've seen up to 12 um, different wow. dimensions. I was actually going to ask, do those get manipulated over time? Because digital yeah, probably wouldn't have existed me. 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Yeah, digital came about in the 2000s. Um, we started to see some more trends in the way that people were engaging with their devices. I mean, I know personally I wake up and have like 12 screenshots of my alarm going off because, you know, we all wake up in the morning and try to like fumble for the phone. Mm-hmm. And there's like, you know, we have all these, we're like, where did all this come from? And it's just a picture of like the time we were supposed to get up and like the alarm going off. And so that has crept in. No longer do we think of like, you know, we have a separate alarm clock. Some people do. Don't, don't get me wrong. My, my dad still does. My He's, husband does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But ma- for the majority of us, our phone has crept into that space. It's not just a phone. It does all these other things. And so I saw this and admittedly, I saw it on a social media platform that I will not mention because I don't want to give them, you know, air time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I reward myself at the end of the day after staring at my medium sized screen, i.e. my laptop by staring at my big screen, my TV. So screens are really a part of our lives. And how do we interface with that? Um, so much so that, you know, even talking to our student population, they live in that digital realm. They're, see, they're doing education in that digital realm. So it's a mix of both digital health and intellectual health, which intellectual health is all about exploring new ideas, expanding one's um, you know, skill set. And so when we start to look at those things, how do they intersect? What do you think um, of those nine um, focuses that you mentioned, what do you think maybe would, would be most applicable to our online student population? Like obviously, the, you know, like we mentioned the digital um, and the intellectual, but... Um, like I know a lot of our online students are also dealing with like trying to work full time and mm-hmm. family yeah. and doing school. Like, like, do you think these nine focuses, um, I mean, I'm sure they all play a part for our online students, right? But like, which ones maybe are ones that you would especially look at? So you, you tug at the string of one of those nine, you, you tug at the string of all eight that are not directly connected to that. And by that, I mean, you know, you affect one area, your financial health affects your emotional health. It affects your physical health, uh, your occupational health. It affects your intellectual health, your environmental health. All of those things are interconnected. Is there one that's most important? It, again, it depends on the person. But I'll say for the majority of the population, it's how we relate, which really goes to the social health side. Um, I, I know, you know po- in a post-pandemic world, in a post-2020 world, we have a lot of time that we spend online. Just here, we're using Teams, we're using email, um, you know, we're constantly interconnected that way. Um, and that connection is different than sitting in a room together. It's different than having that time. And so one of the things that I, you know, I caution my online students because I teach online is take time for yourself. Go be with people, you know, pardon the proverbial, you know, Gen Z lingo, go touch grass, you know, get outside, experience something outside of just the dual role of either caregiver, full-time uh, worker, or w- whatever that means, and student. There is something beyond those two roles. Talking about that, like, as a current student, sometimes we are, like, busy with stuff, and we put, like, taking care of ourselves as the last thing on the list, and we're always like, okay, starting tomorrow, I'm going to do this. Starting next week, I'm going to do this. Starting next month, I'm going to do this. So what would you say are some practical ways to, like, break the chain to, like, start changing the start to change and improve your health what would you think oh 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 
I love that. <laughs> Procrastination. So there's this big concept called the trans theoretical model. And it, you know, it, it sounds so professional. Really what it is, is it's a step of change model. And everybody goes through this when we want to make a decision. We're in this phase of pre-contemplation where we don't even think about something. And then what you're describing there is actually the stage of contemplation, which is we're thinking about it. And that's really kind of the first step where action starts. I want to take care of myself. I want to do something. Once we get into that phase, once we get into that, that goal-setting mentality, we're starting to, to run with it. A lot of people fall out of contemplation because they feel like it's overwhelming. What I recommend with behavior change, just, just me, is first of all, take assessment. What do you want to do? And be realistic. You're not going to lose 50 pounds in three weeks. You're not going to overnight create a new sleep pattern. You're not going to pick up something new and healthy and then run with it for a year. Pick something small. Figure out what's working. And by that, I mean take assessment. Look at your time. Do a time audit. A lot of, because I teach residential too, a lot of my students don't realize how much time they're spending on things that don't, I don't want to say don't matter, because it does matter. It's, it's part of our day. But take time to figure out where you're, you're putting your effort and energy. And if a lot of it is going into things that are extraneous, especially for, for my residential students, and I get it because I was a student here at Liberty, we, we offer a lot of co-curriculars. You can do a lot with your time. The same thing in the online, because I was also an online student and I teach online, we can get sucked into doom scrolling, sitting on the couch and just flipping through whatever. Because at the end of the day, it's like, I, I just want to, my time. Take a time on it. Figure out how much time you're actually spending on that. See if you can lessen that by just a few minutes a day. It adds up. And then focus on things that are working. What works for you now? Uh, a lot of people are doing simple substitutions. Meatless Mondays is a big one. To, to try to lower saturated fat, bring in some, some more things, pick a day and start to work on that. When you set small attainable goals, things seem, seem a lot more manageable. You don't have to change your health overnight because it's just as there's nine different dimensions, you're not going to affect all nine of those. But what you're going to start to see is you affect one of them and it's going to either improve or it's going to negate another one. Focus on bringing them all up at the same time you'll feel better. This sounds like the antithesis to New Year's resolutions of like, I'm going to do this every day for 365 days, or I'm going to yep. never do this 365. Like New Year's resolutions stress me out personally. Cause I'm like, mm -hmm. I know that's not attainable, but yeah, that's really interesting. Um, how do you identify like where to start? Cause you said, you know, like Focus on things that allow you to bring all nine up. Mm -hmm. So do you focus on the one that you feel is weakest? Like, oh, like I'm not really financially healthy, so I'm going to start there because it's the hardest? Or do you start in what's most comfortable? Like kind of like if we're sticking with this this nine focuses, where which one do you, you know, attack first? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, no, it, so in behavior change, just from, from a public health viewpoint, motivation is different for every person. Some people want to attack the, the, the one that's, we would say the lowest, the gauged lowest thing. And so they want to um, look at their, okay, financial health. And that's, that brings a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. Um, and we have a lot of resources here on campus uh, as well as online for financial health. 
key point with that is if you're going to attack it, and that's your motivation, go that way. Some people I recommend, hey, pick the one that's working and try to improve it a little bit more. If you've been doing good sleep hygiene, you're not bringing screens into the, the bedroom, you're trying to you know move the, the phone out of the room, not stay up all night, capitalize on that. Um, because, there, and th- this is a concept of, of snowballing, it's used in other things, is that when you start small, you start to realize this is attainable. I can do this. And that just encourages you to take better steps. For some people, they have high level of motivation. My aunt's one of those people. She was a, a double major at Longwood, you know, the LU. <laughs> um, she was double majored in biology and chemistry. I'm not that person. I, I let you so that know. sounds dreadful. But yeah, for her, <laughs> but for her, she's like, she probably loved it, right? It's oh, she's, probably... t- she's type A, she's yeah. adult ADHD and she's great. I, I love her to death. Love you, Val. Appreciate you. Um, but she teaches me a lot of really good lessons about that because she's a go-getter. And so if she sees something, she's going to attack it head on and she's going to take care of it. And then she moves on to the next thing, hopefully. <laughs> but in that process, that's her motivation. Not everybody is that way. I would like to, you know, I'm just the type of person I am. I find the small steps. What's working for me? And what can I add to that to help me achieve it? For people that maybe are feeling overwhelmed about taking that first step and they're just letting these problems continue, like what are some problems that could occur um, from not taking care of your health? So there's a lot of things. And we, we tend to look at the physical. Um, the physical side of it is is what people tend to think about is shorter lifespans. You know, over over the time... I was looking at some health statistics as we were preparing for this. Um, just over the past three years, our lifespan as a country has declined by two years, meaning that people are dying earlier of preventable causes. Um, that's the first thing. But overall, your health also affects the people around you. If you're an online student and you're caregiving, you know, there's, there's caregiver burnout is a real thing. And if you're not taking care of yourself, and a lot of caregivers will say this, if you're not caring for yourself, you can't care for other people. It's the spiritual concept that you can't pour out of an empty cup. If it's, if it's mm-hmm. the spiritual aspect of health that we're going to go to, if you're not spiritually full, if you're not getting fed, you're not attending church, you're not a part of a fellowship, you don't have a mentor or whatever, we can put that in all different perspectives. But if you don't have that, how are you going to pour into somebody else? It's the same thing with health you got to take care of yourself. You do have to prioritize yourself. Otherwise, you, you burn out. It's the, the first step is burnout. So I think it's time to scare the online students a little bit, you know? Oh Are we going <laughs> to play that jingle from earlier or no? The jingle? No, <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's important to mention, like, problems that not taking care of your health can bring to an individual that's busy with online school, full-time job, family, and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there are a lot of different health effects. I mean, you, you look at things like lack of sleep, um, it, it leads to illness, very simply. Um, lack of activity, it affects us, and we, we have what's called metabolic syndrome now. Um, it's a, what we term as a syndemic. Um, it, lack of nutrition feeds into that. Um, and I know it's easy to, to grab something quick when you're trying to take care of other people. Um, you're trying to, to take time and, and work on family things or work a full-time job. You know, I, I get that. I did that. Um, you know, and believe me, don't get me wrong. I, I love some Chick-fil-A because we were talking about that before we, we started. I love some Chick-fil-A. I just can't eat it every day, despite what Tim Hawkins says. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and the biggest thing that I would say is right now what we're being confronted with, and I know this resonates with a lot of people just because we talked about digital health. We started there. Um, the social health aspect has led to this concept of loneliness, and our Surgeon General is now warning that that's the next great wave of health concerns we're going to deal with in this country is loneliness. Um, being disconnected, um, we're seeing that Gen Z even has fewer friends than any other generation before them because everybody's a, an acquaintance. They're an online presence. They know very few people connected outside of their family. As we're looking at some of these trends, all of these things, again, feed in. You know, we're, we, you can recognize some of these things. And I, I've been talking to students both online and residential, and they all recognize that. They're saying, you know, I'm, I'm just not spending time with people. I feel like I'm getting more and more isolated. And then that starts to begin this kind of negative feedback, if you will. And that starts to affect the other parts of our health. Um, there's even the concept of snacking uh, in other countries and cultures. Snacking is a, a corporate event. You do it with your friends. You know, you go to, to either the Middle East or you go to Asia, and you buy prepared food. And you snack together. In Amsterdam, they call it the bottle. And you have little snacks after your get-together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> makes me happy to think about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's a, it's, a, it's a corporate event, right? It's, yeah. you, you share that social time with people. But in America, we traditionally like to snack alone. Mm. And we're really protective of our snacks. I mean, I know I am. <laughs> I'm the snack goblin. Oh, yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> it was back to when you were talking about, like, lack of sleep and just kind of burnout in general, the first thing that came to my mind was the number of friends and myself included who have been planning weddings. And then after the wedding's over, they get sick. It's like on their honeymoon, their body's like, it's finished. Mm -hmm. And they, and I know I did it with school. Mm -hmm. Like I just have to get through these 16 papers. And then I would crash for like a week and be so sick. And it's like, I think we all ideologically know I'm headed for a burnout or I'm headed for a crash, but it's so hard when you're in the chaos mm -hmm. to enforce those boundaries of yourself. Do you have any, like, I mean, you said at the beginning, you know, we try to get involved before the health crisis. Like, sure. are there any, like, whether it's boundary settings or like start small, like other sort of, if you can feel yourself headed for the crash, try this. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna empathize here really quickly. Every year at Christmas, I get sick, and it's not because the flu or whatever else. It's because it. You think about it. For professors, final grades are due. Everybody's coming to office hours. Everybody's emailing you. I have reports due. I'm trying to close things out. Oh, and by the way, I'm trying to shop. I'm trying to take care of grandparents. I'm trying to you know just navigate this thing called life. And we're all doing, you know, 40 different things. And I, I every year without fail, I, I can almost time it. It's either two days before Christmas or one day after mm. I get sick. I was sick Thanksgiving and Christmas this year. Oh, I'm so sorry. I and, was uh, sick the week before Christmas, but I got, I, I was okay by Christmas, but I was that's definitely good. sick. Yeah. Yeah. I was healthy, guys. Come on. Well, <laughs> Sounds like you got to work harder yeah. then, buddy. You, you, you <laughs> have to be more busy during the year. That's the opposite of what so, we're trying so, to say. So you, so you crash and get sick at the holidays. Oh, no. <laughs> no. no. Listen to Brian, you guys. The opposite. Yeah. We should all just do a watch party when we're all sick together. It's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, John Carlo, a, what do you do? Maybe I'm going to ask you yeah. my question. 
How do you set boundaries and keep yourself from the burnout? Because in this room, you're the only person. Yeah, how do you not, not get Ill. sick at the holidays? Yeah. Mm, I think the secret for me, I prioritize relationship over tasks. I don't know how bad that could be, but for me, it works, you know? Like, I think if I'm very task oriented, I'm just going to be super stressed, get anxiety, just thinking of what's next and everything. But if I just like, Okay, I have tasks too, but at the same time, I prioritize being present with whoever I am. As you say, like corporate meals, stuff like that, relaxing, hanging out with friends, roommates, whatever. In a way, distress me a lot and like help me have that balance. So long story short, yeah, relationships over tasks. Okay. That's a good one. I, I love that answer. I, I wish more people could say that 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 is a, a great answer to that but the tips and tricks it that that really sums it up is relationships over tasks you know it we we've had we went through um kind of relating to this a church fire uh, my home church went through a church fire um this christmas and everybody was you know the, the pastor was really upset because it was throwing everything off and everybody was like but it was so much more simple you know we we, we interconnected we felt that there was no stress related to it you know, we, we got together. We were a family. And I, I, I think that's a big part of it, um, avoiding the burnout, especially when things are, you know, and, and we hit those times, not just at the holidays, but wedding planning, you're right, big life events, moving even. There's, a, there's actually a perceived stress scale for this that can actually tell you before you encounter something how stressful it's going to be. Um, the, the highest ranking being the death of a spouse, the lowest ranking being planning vacation which is stressful for some people. My thing is just from, from my perspective and what I've seen that works is definitely setting those boundaries, prioritizing relationship. It doesn't have to be perfect. In fact, the obsession with perfectionism is something that really needs to die. <laughs> um, we don't have to be perfect all the time. That is news to me. Uh -oh. Brian's looking at me across <laughs> uh -oh. the table. I'm uh -oh. wagging my finger at Patty right now. I'm saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the pursuit of perfectionism is one of the things that really puts us to the point of stress. Um, and, and that's something that we can overcome. That's something that we can work on. Um, also with that is prioritizing your, your eating habits, recognizing where hunger comes from when you get into these stressful situations, eating healthy, uh, recognizing that you can snack healthy, and that's a, that's a really big part of that. And exercise. If we can tie anything to all of this is getting outside, walking 20 minutes. Just, just go outside and experience sunshine. Take somebody with you. Grab somebody. Say, we're going for a walk. You know, it, I go across campus sometimes just to, to get out and walk around. And it's, it's refreshing. And you, you build up that 20 minutes at a time. You take that break. You come back. You're refreshed. You can keep going having those moments and it doesn't take a lot 20 minutes out of a day is nothing by comparison to everything else that's going on we can take 20 minutes yeah and i mean i'm i'm sure the concept of a of a sabbath also helps right like as far as like if we were to really take a day of rest absolutely like that would probably impact us too right yeah there's this um study out on blue zones in 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 it's a concept of people living longer most people in blue zones live 20 years plus the median age of wherever it is so in america blue zones people regularly and i mean regularly live to 92 years or older and they're active we're not saying 92 years vegetative they're playing pickleball and walking to the store and carrying their own groceries uh, there's only one in America, and it's in Loma Linda, California, which is the headquarters of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Oh. 
big point with that is they take a true Sabbath. They, the, the SDA church is really big on disconnecting. Um, and I, I also saw this when I was in Israel with Shabbat, um, the, the experience is, is everything gets turned off. And you kind of have a spectrum, I'll say. Uh, in their experiences, there's, there's kind of this, you know, we're going to have a family meal to a true Sabbath of we don't even cook. The idea behind it is, is that if you have that one day, if you have that true day of rest, we're programmed for that. We're programmed for a community life. We're programmed for spending time together. And that's corporate worship, that's small groups, that's going out and getting lunch with friends, if that's something afterwards. It could be going on a hike, you know, spending that time together. That's a big part of it. Rather than, you know, oh, this is just another day on the calendar. I get up, I go to church, I'm on my phone the whole time, I'm answering email. And yes, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. You know, people sitting in church with laptops now. Yeah. Uh, you Stop. Know. I, yeah. no. Answering emails. Yeah. Can't. I'm multitasking. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's like, I was reading an article the other day um, about, it was essentially saying like, if you struggle in like December, January, February, like the days are shorter, it's cold, like we don't hibernate necessarily, but like the rhythm of nature is that like humans need to rest more. Mm -hmm. And then in the summer when you're feeling hype, because the days are, you know, forever long and it's bright outside and like, you know, things are blooming in the spring and whatever. It was just fascinating to think about because I'd never seen it stated like nature is an indication of like what our bodies need. So like we've kind of lost touch with that. And I feel like some of what you've said today of like boundaries and rest and sleep and community, like that kind of touches all of that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any um, maybe like resources you could share for folks who maybe? Um, are kind of walking this path and trying to figure out their health or maybe they're, you know, in a really unhealthy uh, state right now and they're trying to make some changes. Do you have any, like, resources that would be helpful? Yeah, a a couple of things that um, to follow up on with that is we have a very robust student health and wellness program here on campus, Uh, but the Office of Online Student Life has a lot of really good resources. Um, You know, Brian's happy that I'm plugging that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, check out those pages, you know, just because you're an online student doesn't mean that you're not part of this community. Um, whether you're here or you're in Alaska or I had, you know, a student halfway around the world, you know, I had people in Thailand that we were having conversations in some cases, you're still part of this community. So check out that website, check out the student health and wellness, uh, dimensions of health webpage for those nine different dimensions of health. I mentioned, they actually have this really cool wheel that's on there that you can kind of gauge on a scale of one to 10 about how these things are. And it creates a spider web. And then you can take some priority on, you know, what, what do you want to do? Like we talked about, do you want to you know, focus on the thing that's maybe um, an eight and try to move it up to a 10? Or do you want to focus on the thing that's maybe a two and move it up to a, a four? Um, th- th- those are really good resources just to quantify, because I think a lot of times we just think of, you know, our health is something that we'll either deal with later or it's secondary to whatever else. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work myself until I, I crash because I have to help someone else. Um, don't do that. <laughs> that that's not a thing. Um, but Student Health and Wellness has a lot of things. If you're local, there's a lot of really good events that we do on campus. Um, online students are, I am, I'm going to shout out to Keith Anderson. He's really good about trying to reach out uh, and, and bring our online community in. But the Heart Walk is coming up in April. 
um, you know, it's something if you're in, in the, the Lynchburg area or you're uh, nearby, there's heart walks all across the country. Um, that's a great opportunity to get involved in lowering cardiovascular disease risk and, you know, just being part of something uh, and, and going out and getting outside and doing something. For spiritual wellness, we have the pastoral services. There's an online LU Shepherd uh, that is always there for pastoral services to take prayer requests. Um, we also have counseling and psychology services online. Uh, that offer that emotional connection if you need anything uh, from that perspective. And something that's unique for Liberty that I really love is our Center for Financial Literacy. Um, We have a host of information uh, from the Ron Blue Institute that normally you would pay for to to get access to, uh, go through training. We offer that for free through our um, library and uh, the School of Business. And that's something that I know brings a lot of people stress. Uh, They have some great tutorials on how to build a budget how to, you know, forecast your expenses, put away some money, put, put away a little bit of savings. Um, that's a really good library resource uh, from our digital comments that's available to everybody. And then outside the university, we have some great stuff from Department of Health and Human Services. Um, if you're wondering about, you know, healthy eating, what, what do I need to do just to get started? I, it's been so long since health class and, you know, some people remember the food pyramid. We don't do that anymore. Uh, we have MyPlate now and MyPlate's really interesting. Um, it's, I, I like it cause it's a graphic representation of what a plate should look like. Uh, for a lot of people, it's, you know, trying to demystify meal planning. You have four major groups, try to fill the plate, uh, in those proportions. And then things like, uh, move your way activity tool, great opportunity to, to make an exercise plan, try to get you know, 150 minutes of activity a week, which seems like a lot. It's really not. That's five days of 30 minutes. We can all commit to that. It's really not that much, I promise. Mm. And then my health finder is a big thing. So if you're on this health journey and your physical health, you're just wondering, you know, I haven't been to the doctor in a while. I don't know what questions to ask. Uh, My health finder is great. It's from the Department of Health and Human Services. Health.gov sponsors it. And you can go in, basically put in, I'm a man who is 35 years old. What do I need to talk to my doctor about? And it'll give you a list of questions. And it's a great way to start. It's a great way to start to own your health because it'll tell you, you know, these are the things that you probably need to focus on at this point in your life. It's not going to give you everything, but it'll give you at least some starts for your physical health, you know, trying to get to the point of this is what I want to work on for my physical health. Great. Uh, thank you again for, uh, for all the great information. And now there's one question I ask all of our guests, and that is what words of encouragement do you have for our online student population? I'd love to hear your take on that question. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm, I'm a big mental, emotional health guy. Um, as much as I am public health, uh, there's this side of public health that's what we call public mental sanitation, which sounds really weird. Um, but it's public health from the psychology perspective, and it kind of blends my worlds. Um, my words of encouragement are, you are never alone. You are never alone, no matter what. Uh, you have a creator that, one, loves you and sustains you. You have a savior that is always there right by your side and you have a comforter. So that's three people right there in just the person of the Godhead. You, you have all three of those right by your side all the time. But in addition to that, whether or not you realize it, you've got friends that want to reconnect with you. There's somebody that's thinking about you right now. You've got family. You've got somebody. A lot of people that I talk to right now are expressing that loneliness concept they feel like they're isolated. Reach out, talk to people. You know, a 20-minute phone call 
it really helps. But you are not alone. Don't forget it. Great. That's a, that's a, that's a great word. And I think uh, very um, applicable for, for a lot of our students right now. So thank you uh, for that. Now, before you go, Uh-oh. we have our off topic with Patty segment, that which was, that we're going to, yeah, we're going to eventually have an actual jingle for that. But uh, you know, for the time being, I'll just sing it. It's on the making. Yeah. Yeah. John Carl was working on that, but all right. So uh, we have a classy paper bag this season and uh We'll see what question you pull out. We'll answer it. The questions are also very uh, sealed this year, so you're going to have to really open it. Uh, so do you want me to read this? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't learn how to read. Um, oh, no. <laughs> actually, fun story. I failed phonics as a kid. Look at you now. I, I know, right? <laughs> I got letters behind my name. I don't know what they mean. but I <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, these are sealed. Okay, here we go. What's your top three most used emojis? Mm. I got to get out my phone. <laughs> yeah. Every, everyone's pulling their phone out right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mine are embarrassing. Maybe not embarrassing. They're, what they're, do you got, they're Patty? They're a picture of me as a person. The first one is the like laugh cry emoji. That's always my number one. The second one is the like girl shrugging. And then the third one is the skull and crossbones. <laughs> Wow. Or like, oh, okay. I'm dead. Or like, this is so oh. funny. <laughs> I have the uh, the giant eyeballs, like looking to the side, like, oh, uh-huh. shoot. And then I have uh, the face melting. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah. So and good. then I have the, uh, <laughs> and then I have the one with the uh, glasses and fake mustache. Nice. <laughs> Those are the three I use a lot. The eyes and the melting <laughs> face are also in my recently yeah. used. <laughs> mm-hmm. For me, the first one is the laughing and crying emoji. I use that one a lot. The second one, we have the, the face. Well, it's half a face, like kind of saluting you uh-huh. in a way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the last one is like the hands that are like like praising type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. blessings or praises. I think we had this question a couple seasons ago. And back then, I was using all the monkey emojis. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's cool to look back and go, my emoji taste has changed oh, look at that. over the years. Your life station has changed. <laughs> so what about you? So uh, the, the laughing crying emoji is definitely the winner today. Great. Um, yeah, I use that one a lot. Um, but I'm, I'm a very extroverted person, so that kind of makes sense. The other one was not what I thought it was going to be. Usually I thought it was going to be deadpan, like the, the, like the, the lines for the mm-hmm. eyes and just the straight mouth. I, th- mm-hmm. I use that a lot, but it's not in my top. It's the thinking emoji. Okay. With like the the hand, like like you know the 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 index and thumb extended, like on your chin. Yeah, it's that. And then the one that's like the awkward laugh, where it's like just the one beat of sweat <laughs> on the side. That one too, because it's like I I frequently put myself in embarrassing <laughs> situations. Um, yeah, that one th- that that should be number one. That one's also in my recently yeah. used. Well done, guys. Well <laughs> done, emoji users out there. Maybe I should say, send us your top emojis, and yeah. I'll send you a gift. Now, You're feeling so generous top, this season. I, I know. I'm really giving out stuff this year. Love it. Top three people, though. He's holding up four fingers, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> top three people will get a gift if and you email one finger. <laughs> online student life at liberty.edu and tell me your top. Maybe even send me. Just send me an email with three emojis in it that are your top emojis. Can I just say anybody that sends like just three coffee cups should be the instant winner? 
because okay. that's yeah, yeah, that speaks. If to you're myself. still listening at this point, definitely. Yeah, yeah if winner. if you've made it this far, <laughs> God bless you. All right, well, this has been another episode of the On Life Podcast. Living in abundance wherever God puts you. The On Life Podcast is a production of the Office of Student Life at Liberty University.